going on, Packers fans? Welcome back to Carry the G and MKE. I'm Aaron Nagler and joined, as always, by Camille Davis there in Milwaukee. I'm coming to you from New York. Camille, the Packers, big holiday upset. I'm telling you what, I have not stopped beaming about this game. I, you talk about a get-right-made-everything-in-your-life-right game. You can't tell me nothing. Can't tell me nothing, Camille. <sighs> I am in the same boat. We talked about it. Listen, the Packers weren't favored in this game. Like, hey, they shouldn't be. They should be underdogs. The Lions are a great team. I mean, after the week four game, it was like, man, they're in a whole different class as the Packers are right now. So for them to go into Detroit on Thanksgiving and have a game like that where the score got up big early and the offense was able to ride that out for the rest of the game rather than the defense giving up another lead. Like It was complimentary football amongst all of the phases for the most part in this game, and it was such an excellent way to start off the Thanksgiving holiday. It really was, and I'm really glad you brought that up because it was noticeable, right, marked how the coach, the coaching across the board was better on the Packers' sideline than it was the Lions' sideline. And I'm talking like every aspect of the game from the coordinators, the play calling, but even the little stuff. Like you've got a lot of backups in there, a lot of young guys. And, man, all three phases, to your point, I mean, the special teams, I think that was a hidden part of this game where Basaccia's punting unit, both the kicking and the coverage, continuously putting the Lions – in really bad field position. I mean, they started inside their 10 a number of times and they couldn't overcome it Uh, more often than not. You know, you give them that long field, Barry's unit held up. And like you're saying, complimentary football. And I do think it helped. And it was very surprising to see Matt come out, take the ball and go for that shot play right away. Get on the front foot. Something we haven't seen not only this year, but really throughout Matt's tenure, they've been a, we're going to defer. We're going to try and double up coming out of half, man. It was, a, it was a welcome surprise for the Packers to be as aggressive as they were. I loved it. And to think that after the game, we learned that LaFleur text Jordan love, like, Hey, maybe we should change the first play the of the game. And that, love right. is like, no, this is it. Like we're going to come out with this and we're going to do it. And it worked. And that first, when I saw the ball being thrown, I was like, Ooh, that looks a little underthrown. I don't know yep. if it's going to work. And then yep. Christian Watson actually fought and got in position. To Great adjustment. That too. Yeah, Cause he out. has the corner beat. The safety's at a bad angle. He's like, if that's out in front of him, he's gone. It's a touchdown. On the first play. But to your point, like great adjustment by Christian, who I think had a great game overall. I mean, everything as far as not only catching the ball, but his physicality in the run game, the energy he brought down in and down out. It's really nice to be talking about that from Christian Watson, a player who I think, you know, the sky is still the limit. The arrow is still pointing up. He kind of reminded everybody on a national stage. That's right. I'm a problem. And you love to see it. Cause I mean, we had conversations too about Christian's play throughout the season. We talked about what we thought coming into the season and how things were looking as the season was unwinding. And one thing we did mention, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, but we were like, Christian is getting very active when it comes to blocking. He's doing a lot of the other right. things for this team. So now to be able to see, the hard work that he's been putting in that doesn't get on the stat sheet. And then to see him be able to light it up on the stat sheet, using the traits and abilities that we knew that he had, because we saw it last year, he is a big threat. And when you are that big and that 
quick, it causes so many matchup problems. And that's what's exciting about the prospects of this Green Bay uh, skill possession group with the receivers, because one, you have a Christian Watson and we saw the potential last year. Two, you're seeing like the Romeo Dobbs. You're seeing how he's developing. You're seeing the rookies. Like we didn't have Wicks in this game. And Malik Heath came in and was like, yo, I don't care if I only get 11 snaps. I'm going to make each of these snaps count. I think he was targeted like he ran five routes and caught four balls. Like, yep. Just I mean, look, what a great kind of story as far as remember the offseason kind of darling where it was like, oh, Malik Heath running with the ones. And then it was like, okay, let's see what happens when the pads come on. And the pads come on in camp and you're like, kids still bringing it. And you're like, okay, what happens when it's a preseason game and preseason games come along? Still doing it, right? So, and what I love about Heath is don't forget like that. Remember that first game he was up and he had a target. I think it was the Vikings game and he dropped it over the middle, right? Didn't get another target at the rest of the game. Man, I can only imagine how that drop probably ate away at him. And he was probably just begging, dying to get back out there and kind of prove himself, right? Because like, I, you know, through this whole process, he has delivered every time he's been called upon. So the Chargers game, he gets run, he gets a couple balls thrown to him. And then, yeah, in this Detroit game, four catches, each one really physical at the catch point, physical after the catch. And then talk about that guy who's got the dog in him in the run game. I mean, you saw again the stuff we saw in the preseason and in training camp as far as his physicality, not backing down from any. It doesn't matter if it's a defensive end. It doesn't matter if it's a linebacker. Like, he is going to bring the goods in the run game. And that's why you love having – you're able to bring that off the bench when Wicks goes down. Exactly. Amazing. That's why – it's exciting to your point, like the way forward, like the second half of the season, all these guys now have these banked reps, right? And they have this experience. And obviously there was a very rough stretch there for a while, but it really feels like over the last kind of four games, they've started to coalesce as a unit and there's still way, you know, a ton ahead of them this season. And that's the exciting part about it, because again, developmental season, developmental year, knew all that. I was probably one of the more optimistic people. Well, not the most optimistic, but one of them <laughs> up there where I right. thought the Packers could sneak in as a wild card team this season because of the rest, the state of the rest of the NFC. And right. when I look at the receiver group in particular for this conversation, one thing that's really interesting to me about it is like, who's the go-to receiver on this team? And I was like, I don't think there is one at this moment, which for right now, I actually think works really well for the Packers because when you're game planning against them, it's not one guy to stop. Jordan Love is showing, like, if you're open, I'm just going to try to get the ball to you. Like, there's no one I'm targeting in particular. You, can, you can't say, oh, we're going to shade the field this way and try to take Watson out or take Dobbs out or whatever the case may be because, like, he's just going to spread around to these other receivers. And at this point in their development, they're all showing that they belong on the field and they're all showing they can bring something. So, like, let's say you do take out Watson in that game. We, we got Reed. <laughs> we got Dobbs. We got Wicks when he's healthy. We talked about Heath, like, the potential this group has is so exciting. I even mentioned the tight ends, like Kraft is showing growth. Oh, how about Kraft? Right. Man. Absolutely. I mean, Musgrave goes down, you think, okay, we're going to have to limit what we can ask our tight ends to do. But Kraft stepped in really nicely. And of course, they're not going to ask him to replicate exactly what Musgrave right. did. In fact, I think they utilized Watson in some of that kind of role. But man, yeah, Kraft, welcome to the NFL, buddy. Uh, what a what a good game. I, like, pretty solid. I'm not, I don't think he did anything spectacular, but I thought, and we've seen it kind of coming along, right, these last couple games. But, you know, we're talking a lot about the receivers for good reason. Well, how about the man pulling the trigger? Jordan Love now 
This is four games in a row where he's looked better each and every week, coming off undoubtedly his best performance of the season. And it feels like we've said that like for a month now, every time they've played, it's like, oh, that was Jordan's best game. Do you think he's reached the point where they're going to start talking extension? Do you think he's done enough to make the Packers say, yeah, th this is our guy long term? I personally, I feel like he's shown enough at this point um, that he's like, yeah, we can talk extension. But I think this Chiefs game is going to be a really interesting one for him coming up. And it's it's a lot of narrative, of course. But when I think about how he looked in his first game against the Chiefs in Kansas right. City, where we had some questions around how the game plan was called around him in that game, where it's like, yeah. we didn't change things. Can up we give him some help? <laughs> yeah, like, let's 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 give him some help here. Like, this is his first shot, and you're throwing him at Arrowhead. Like, right. it's a tough, tough play. So I think this Chiefs game is going to be an interesting barometer test for him. And it's not to say, like, you need to look so much different than you did, you know, two years ago or whatever the, the time frame was. But um, it's a primetime game here for the Packers. You're coming off of a big Thanksgiving win. It's a season where a lot of people didn't know how to peg this team. There were a lot of questions around Jordan Love and who he is, and now you get another national game. So when the lights are bright, what does it look like? And even if he doesn't throw for 300 yards, 350, whatever the case may be, if the process is good, that's what I'm looking for more than anything else. Is the process good with Jordan Love? And so far throughout the season, I feel like he's shown a lot of like, I'm developing really well, and I can be a franchise quarterback. I very much agree. I'm I'm fascinated to see how things proceed with the front office. Do they get it done this year? Do they wait to the offseason where I think Jordan Love and company are going to drive a hard bargain if they want? You know, and here's the thing. Whether it gets done in season or, or the summer or whenever, the sticker shock is going to be real among Packers fans. Yes. I think there, there will undoubtedly be naysayers. There will be people howling to the moon about how he hasn't earned it, he doesn't deserve it, or it's way too expensive. And I'm here to preemptively say it's going to be cheap in the long run. Like, the sooner you get it done, the better. These quarterback contracts, especially for the top tier, everybody talks about, oh, he's, you know, he hasn't earned it or whatever. And it's like you go, you fast forward two years, and it's a bargain. You know, that is just the state of the market in the NFL. So I think that's hopefully coming sooner rather than later. Uh, flipping around to the defensive side of the ball, Man, what a performance by the defensive front. And I know Rashawn Gary has rightfully been given the flowers here, like three sacks, game-changing plays, uh, turnover plays, right? Deserves every bit of praise. But, man, it wasn't just Rashawn. It was Carl Brooks. It was Kenny Clark. Preston Smith was on one. I mean, that was as good and just down for down solid performance from the defensive front as we have seen all year long against an offensive line that gave them nothing but trouble last time around. That's a fact. We got whooped in the trenches the last time we played the Detroit Lions. And to see how drastically that changed, to see how much pressure they were able to get, when we first played Detroit, Jordan Love was the one getting pressured and knocked off his square where it's like, I don't have time to even really think. And in this yep. game on Thanksgiving, they did the same thing to uh, to golf where it's like, hey, I don't have time. And when you give him time, he's pretty yeah, good. He can pick you apart. Well, no, you know, there were a couple of plays there where, to your point, he has a guy breaking open that he can't hit or misses because of pressure in his face right in his lap. And, I mean, it's so weird because we're at their house, right? And I know they were down one starter. The, the left guard was their rookie. Who, who didn't have a good game against Chicago, didn't have a good game against us. 
But man, that's like the rest of that offensive line is the same crew that like basically, you know, was a wall in front of golf uh, in Green Bay back in September. It's just fascinating to see how, I guess, just overall improved that defensive front was. I mean, Preston, I mean, he's beaten a really good tackle repeatedly. And I've seen rumblings there out there in the old, you know, internet world about, oh, should they move on from Preston next season? I'm like, if this is the boat, then Preston's been good here for a month now. And if this is the Preston we get down the stretch, man, keep him around. He is playing some serious ball. You love Shoot. to see it. Even Kenny Clark, like we've had conversations around Kenny Clark and it's like, I, I haven't seen him too much. He's been kind of quiet. Right. And for a defensive lineman, you want to be heard. You want to make your presence felt. And he was someone else in this Detroit game where you are seeing a lot of Kenny Clark. And when he is disruptive, it changes everything for that Packers rush up front because yes. he is just a dominating force. So to see him getting after it, to see Smith getting after it, of course, Gary, like we've talked about, especially him coming back to the field where he suffered that traumatic injury mm, um and now he's no able to come out and affect the game in so many different ways like it was beautiful beautiful to see especially too so we're looking at growth in regards to how the packers looked during their first matchup against the lions and how they looked now against the lions but even just on that week-to-week -week basis against the chargers last week we were saying like we won it was a great jordan love and offensive game but reality of it is like the chargers charged and they kind of beat themselves with <laughs> drop passes, and, right. you know, things like that where the sun's in their eyes. So the defense, it was kind of like, y'all did all right, I guess, but mm -hmm. the chargers missed opportunities. And you can't say that about the lions this past week. Like the lions just got beat. Like the Packers defense was the better squad on the field that day. And they made their mm -hmm. presence known. And that's additional growth that you want to continue to see, especially again, with this banged up secondary that we had out there, like Jonathan Owens. Amazing. He did Where did that come from? You talk I about a no night idea. and day difference from the Chargers game a week before or four days before, right? I mean, you talk, it really seemed clear that he wanted to like wipe the Chargers game from our memory. I mean, not obviously the big play is the fumble recovery for a touchdown, which is a smart heads up play, but it's not like that dynamic, right? right. There are plays in that game where he is flying in and, just obliterating the ball carrier on what looks like it's going to be a pretty significant gain up the middle, but like he comes flying in and limits it to like a four yard gain. And there were multiple plays like that where just, where has this been? Who is this guy? Uh, it, but it was kind of interesting across the board, right? Both offense, defense, but even on special teams, you talk about the injuries this team was dealing with coming into this game. It was a major narrative you're coming out of this game, you're not even talking about it. You're not even thinking mm -hmm. about it because the guys who stepped in played so well across the board. And I think that's a real testament to Matt LaFleur and his coaching staff. Again, we talked about it at the top. Like they were well coached in all three phases. But not only that, they had guys in there who haven't played all year or who had played very limited snaps throughout this season who were playing down in, down out, really consistent ball. And I mean, this point going into, you know, late November, early December, you want to be trending upward. You want your guys to feel confident and play consistently again across the board. That's what we saw on Thursday. Yeah. And it honestly shocked me. Like I did not expect <laughs> yeah. for all of the phases to, to come out right. and play this well on a short week against the Lions on the road where I was just kind of like, I don't know what to expect, but I thought it would be maybe some, you know, minor progress that we're seeing like, hey, 
at least, you know, the the pass defense looked better because we know the Lions can run the ball. So I was like, mm-hmm. you don't know what to expect. So for them to come out and have the type of performance that they had, where like the only qualms I really had was like, hey, Carlson, we got to stop missing, you know, no. these, these extra points. Like that's yeah. one where I'm like, we got to stop missing the extra points. But the rest of the unit was so good where I was like, I, I didn't even think about that piece of it until now where I'm like, is there anything for me to like, nitpick <laughs> right. from this game like yeah that's the one in the one. game i guess or like the two areas where i was yeah. like we can improve here but if that's the only like place you're looking at which also makes jordan love's performance even more impressive because there was no run game to lean on i mean you're 100 percent right it's something that andy and i talked about last week could you imagine if jordan love had a running game or ever gets one because what he's doing this past month the numbers he's putting up, both like traditional statistics, but also like all the new metrics as far as his level of play has increased and gotten better. Literally, you can look at it by the numbers week by week by week. They have only improved over the course of the last month. And he's doing all of that without any semblance of a dependable running game. Like you give him this kid a running game, it's lights out. It's a wrap. Like, let's go. Like, I'm so excited for that aspect. Like, who knows? I doubt it arrives this year, but maybe down down the way a, a year or two from now, uh, it'll be fun to watch. But you know, the one thing I will say about, like, Matt and this coaching staff, they have done a really good job of t- tuning out the noise, right? Yeah. Because there was certainly a whole lot of noise around the staff earlier this season when they were going through that four-game losing streak. Some of it warranted. I think some of it very over the top and probably unnecessary. But it's interesting, right, to kind of juxtapose that, the way the Packers stuck with it, pulled are seemingly pulling out of it, won three of their last four, and the way they operate as a franchise, right? And I only bring this up because of the news this morning where the Panthers have fired yet another coach. David Tepper, their owner, took over this team, I think it was 2018, I believe. He's going on his seventh coach, Camille. Seven coaches. Like they're never going to be good while this guy is own while this guy owns the team, and it just makes me so thankful that I am a Green Bay Packers fan, and we are not at the whim of some idiot owner. I mean, the Packers may have stretches, right? Small stretches of okay, it's a downturn, it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got a long term plan. We're going to stick with it. I, I thank God I was born a Packers fan because I couldn't. If I I know Panthers fan, a good buddy of mine lives in Winston Salem. Lifelong Panthers, like from the moment they became a franchise, he was like, I'm all in. I can't fathom being a Panthers fan right now. Whew. Like you said, I made it. I made a decision to be a Packers fan when I was younger. And that's a great decision that I, yeah. that I made. Um, yes, like, and <laughs> I think about the ownership piece of it a lot because on the other side of things, like for the Milwaukee Bucks, there's been calls already for Adrian Griffin to be fired. And we're right. 12 and five at the moment. And it's kind of like you look at what's happening with the Panthers and you're like, they won one game so far this year. Like they are terrible. Like you can see it on the field, how it's being ran. And it's like a coach can only do so much when ownership is also meddling in that picture. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like it's on the coach to try to make some sense of what's going on in that locker room. And for all of the qualms we've had about Matt LaFleur to your point about how they're able to tune out the noise, one thing also that I will say is like the locker room never seems to give up on Matt. Like they always ever, right? Ever. Back. Yes. That's such a good point. It's so true. And I wish more people kind of recognized that or gave that 
the props I think it deserves. I mean, certainly what they lose five in a row last year and they could have easily gone in the tank and they didn't. And they made a run at at the end, obviously came up short, but yeah, I think that's an underrated aspect of Matt's tenure so far because it hasn't ever, ever gotten to that point, despite some really ugly moments. I don't think I've ever seen any, you know, even a hint of it. There's certainly been no reporting around it. No, social media posts from the guys like there's been nothing so i don't know man i yeah i really appreciate having matt as our head coach and i am very fascinated to see how he approaches this game on sunday night to your point you know last time i don't think he had a great plan heading into arrowhead obviously he's got a lot more time now with jordan they're seemingly in a spot now where they are pretty damn comfortable working together and it really feels like matt is dialing up stuff he knows jordan can deliver on I'm fascinated to see kind of how the Chiefs play Jordan Love. The Chiefs have a good defense, right? And Spagnola is probably one of, if not the best game day kind of play caller on the defensive side of the ball. And we all know he came after Jordan Love last game. I mean, it was engage eight, like every down, like especially on third down. I'm looking for a Jordan Love revenge game. I need Jordan Love to like ball out against this defense. Like I need air to breathe because I can only imagine for him, right? Like the thrown in at the last minute because Aaron Rodgers got COVID and the whole world's kind of watching and you get taken advantage of. Now, legit national television, you've won three out of the last four. You're looking good, better and better every game. I'm just, I need, I want Jordan Love to like ball out on Sunday night. I would love it. I would love it. I just don't want this team to get embarrassed on national television. <laughs> like, even if it's a competitive battle, I just don't want to take. I don't want to take the grief online. Yeah, I, I, I just there's <laughs> something about getting, especially when you're the only game on TV and it's yep. not going well, and you're just sitting there. You're just like, oh, everyone's watching this in this. You don't have yeah. the like the illusion like, well, we're at one o'clock today, so yep, uh, there's a ton of other games on. Oh, what's going on in the Packers game? Like what? Like no, everybody knows exactly what's going on because it's exactly. on national. The worst is when it's on national television. You get like texts from your friends <laughs> who don't really care about the Packers, but they know that it's the Packers TV. are on and they're losing, and they're either are you okay? What's going on? Like what's up with the Packers? Like my buddy, I'm trying to watch the game. <laughs> but like, the flip side, the Aaron. If it's a if it's a game where we're the one doing the embarrassing, oh, let's go. We'll love like oh, there. say on Thanksgiving, how great was that? And how great was the juxtaposition of coming off that game to the Black Friday game with the Jets looking as big of a like a turd as you possibly can, all set against the backdrop of Jordan Love looking awesome. Oh my God, I just oh just hug a Jets fan today. Because they need it. Truly. But before we wrap up, I do just have to say what everyone else has been saying as well. And it really bothered me that Jordan Love did not get any turkey nor ducking or anything. Even on Friday after that terrible Jets game, they got a leftover sandwich prepared by a gourmet chef for the for the Dolphins. I'm like, golly, we couldn't even give Jordan Love no mashed potato. We couldn't give him nothing. Well, well, yeah, but the the worst part about that is like, you know, they, they pumped up the Madden aspect. Again and again and again before the game, complete with tons of pictures of dudes like chowing down on that fucking turkey leg post game, right? There's that great shot from back in the day of Brett Favre and Amon Green. Yep. Like in those throwback jerseys with their huge turkey legs just uh, gnawing at the thing. I wanted that. I needed that keepsake from this game to, to cherish forever of Jordan Love just chowing down on some turkey. And Fox robbed us. Just like Fox, like 
treat us like we were at the kitty table or something. Our halftime performance. Right. Jack Harlow had an oh. inflatable igloo oh, doll that, that you get. What are we doing? What are we? Oh, somebody. I saw my daughter, I think, showed me that somebody put out a, a tweet or a meme about uh, Jack Harlow halftime set look like. And it was like one of those old play school, like ice capade things. Yes. I was just like, that's yeah, it looked rinky dink as hell. Yeah. Like I they, played they, him they, as a child. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, that it was all the only thing professional that day was the Green Bay Packers. We, we, hey, we know that. if we only pick one thing to be professional on any given Sunday, any given Thursday, whatever day they're going to play football, let it be the Green Bay Packers. I'm, I'm down with this. I love it. All right, Camille, let people know out there where to find you uh, on these here internet streets. Absolutely. You can catch me over at the Technical File Podcast, T-E-C-K-N-I-C-A-L. Once a week, we cover the biggest stories from the NBA, NFL, and the wrestling world. So once a week, we drop that. You can catch us on our YouTube page doing the show live. We're recording actually on Monday. So today, uh, this week, because the Bucks play tomorrow. And you can also, and the other part of that is I'm also a co-host on Locked On Bucks Monday through Friday. So make sure you tune into that wherever you get your podcasts or YouTube as well. My bucks. I said on Twitter last night when I love it. I I love what kind of like just voyeur looking. I don't participate in Bucks Twitter because I got enough going on in my life. But it's so funny, so funny to watch people like melting down in the first half. Like the first half of a game with they're like not even like in the sense of time, right? There are four billion games in an NBA season. We're like in game 12, 13. Of a four billion game season, and people, oh, we gotta fire this dude. This is terrible. Blah blah blah. I'm like, it's preseason. Nothing in the NBA matters until Christmas. Are you kidding me right now? It's- and there's people out there with like 12 tweet threads about how terrible the Bucks are. Oh, and by the way, they turned around and won the game. Yep. Yep. So one of my favorite lines that you always say, and I say a lot of ball game left. A lot of ball and when game it comes to basketball. Exactly basketball is a game of runs they're going to happen correct how do you weather it and can you respond it's pretty simple and by the way the the bucks have some really good players who know how to respond and yes they gotta gel they gotta work it out they will give them time see this is why i can't do bucks twitter because i'd just (laughs) pop i'd pop an artery or something it'd be bad all right camille i will we will be back next week after the packers get this dub on sunday night against the chiefs looking forward to it thank you as always uh and go pack go